Radiate Radio, your international sound wave for podcasts and more. Hi, this is Romac and Anne with IS Essentials. Now that the Wellbeing Weeks are over, we are back to our regular program with our podcast IS Essentials. Talking about mental health these past few weeks was very interesting, and it was a lot of fun to collaborate with the Wellbeing Committee. I think it's fair to say that we had a lot of amazing interviewees on the show. And also for us, it was interesting to go in a bit of a different direction and talk about mental health. I think I can promise that we will talk about mental health in the future again, as it pertains to students. The first topic that we're going to talk about after Wellbeing Weeks is ISAC. It is an international non-governmental organization run by young people that focuses on the development of leadership skills, cross-cultural understanding, and sustainability. They offer both internships and volunteering abroad for students and other young people who are interested. We believe that for students doing an internship or volunteer abroad would not only be a unique experience, it could also help you to further develop your skills, broaden your network, and help you find the perfect job. So for today's episode, I'm going to interview Hannah and Bente. Both are former IS students and they're going to tell us about their volunteering experiences in Indonesia and Colombia. But first, Romak is going to talk to Charen from ISAC. She's the external relations manager of the local chapter and she's going to tell us what ISAC is all about. Hi Charen, thank you for joining me. Thank you Romak, you're welcome. Could you tell me a bit about yourself? Uh, yes, of course. My name is Jaren. I am 20 years old and I'm currently studying psychology at Leiden University. I'm in my third year. And besides my studies, I am the external relations manager at Isaac Leiden. Could you tell me a bit about Isaac and what your role exactly entails? So Isaac is the biggest youth-run nonprofit organization in the world right now. And as part of Isaac, I'm the external relations manager at Leiden and The Hague. So my function is basically being the contact person between all the study and student associations when we want to establish partnerships or when we want to promote Isaac to other students. I'm basically the contact person. Okay, I'm assuming that uh, Isaac is an acronym. Can you tell us a bit about what it stands for? Yes, it is originally in French and I don't know how to pronounce the names but it basically is the International Association for Students for Economics and uh, Commerce as far as I know but right now it's not really relevant because the name comes from when it was found by Students of Economics in 1948. Uh, currently it, it's just it applies for all the students uh, all around the world. They don't have to be student for a specific study. And do you think that the initial founding of ISEC with economic students that it plays still a role or is it more focused on international work? How do you see that for yourself? Yeah, right now it's completely international. Uh, all cultures, all students, everyone is welcome at ISEC. When it was founded in 1948, it was just seven people from Europe, uh, from Sweden, Germany uh, and France uh, coming together to basically find solutions to avoid something like World War II happening again. So just seven people discussing ways to avoid the war. And then they just started spreading around the world and it became the biggest association in the world to promote leadership for youth and promote how to tackle the world's biggest issues. So yeah, like you said, right now it's just internationally based. 
And how did you come in contact with Isaac? I found Isaac in my first year when I was at Leiden in 2018. I saw Isaac at an orientation event and they were recruiting people for, and they're also promoting projects. And because I was in my first year, I get, I was a bit shy to reach out, but now I'm in my third year and I realized that before going on a project, I want to be part of the organization. I want to see how it works. I want to be in the more in the behind the scenes part of it. Yeah, so I decided to apply to be a member and yeah, I became the external relations manager. And what would you say, not specifically you, but ISEC as a whole, has had an impact on uh, students or people where they go or the countries themselves? Yeah, so with Isaac, we strive to develop leaders with four core qualities. This involves leaders who go abroad with Isaac to our projects, also members like myself. And these four qualities are empowering others, being solution-oriented, being a world citizen, and being self-aware. And this, these are the basically our core goals. So when people go abroad with our projects or when they become a member of Isaac, these are the things we take into consideration. So, yeah. Could you give me some hard facts about, for example, how many people you have helped go abroad to do these wonderful things? Yeah, of course. There are so many numbers. I don't really know them on top of my head, but I know that we are in more than 120 countries in the world right now. We have more than 9,000 partners and so far more than 100,000 people went abroad with Isaac, either for a volunteering project or an internship project. So we are basically all around the world. And those partners, could you tell me a bit more about them? Like, do they provide stuff for you or do they help them with finding jobs for other people? How does it work? And who are they? Yeah, uh, our partners are other non-profit or non-governmental organizations. And we got in contact with them to basically, they provide the projects for volunteers in the Netherlands, for example. A partner in Lebanon and an NGO in Lebanon can be the contact person for someone who wants to go abroad in the Netherlands. And we only work with non-profit and non-governmental organizations as a non-profit organization ourselves. And yeah, we have around 10,000 partners small organizations, sometimes big companies for internships all around the world. Okay, and if I, for example, wanted to volunteer, how would I do that? How would I approach ISEC? So for our volunteering projects, it's super simple. If you want to get to know more about our projects, where you can go abroad, how it works, what we provide, just you can simply go to isaac.nl and you will see all the information there. I can already tell you that we are, as I mentioned, we are a non-profit organization, so our project fee is not like thousands of euros for just sending you abroad. It's a small amount of fee and your accommodation will be included in this, and you will receive support throughout the whole process. So someone from Isaac in the Netherlands and someone from Isaac in your target country will be there for you throughout the whole process. Whenever you need something, they will guide you through the visa processes, or they will give you a short education about how that culture is. And, well, obviously, during the pandemic, you will always get an update on what the travel regulations are, is it safe to travel, and in case it's not safe to travel there, you will receive a voucher and you can use that voucher when it's safe to travel. So this is how our volunteering projects work in a nutshell. Okay, and you mentioned also that you have internships. Can you tell me a bit more about those? Like, for example, how long do they last? What kind of jobs do they specifically intern you for? How, how does it work? 
So our internship projects are called Global Talent, and they are in different fields such as finance, marketing, business management, IT, engineering, and they take from six weeks to seven to two weeks, whereas our volunteering projects take six to eight weeks. So as you can tell, internship projects take really long, usually. And we work with companies who are looking for young talent as an intern or as a trainee. And yeah, it's the fields within the Global talent programs are more specific, like I told, like finance, marketing, and we still have the same core goals, such as tackling the sustainable development goals of the United Nations, like we have in our global volunteer projects. But obviously, the internships come with more of a professional aspect as well as personal. You mentioned the length of the both volunteering work and the internships. Uh, these are throughout the entire re- year, right? Uh, yes. So if you go on a, if you decide to go on a volunteering project, it's gonna take six to eight weeks in total, or an internship for a whole semester. It depends on the projects, and you can just simply go to Isaac.nl to discover all of our projects, both for volunteering and internships. Now, because of the coronavirus, traveling, like you said earlier, is um, quite restricted. Does this mean that there are also um, online options for volunteering or internships? Unfortunately, we don't really have online options and most of our projects didn't really take place since the beginning of the pandemic, like last March. But they started opening up recently and regardless of the virus, a lot of people still want to do something for sustainable development goals. So there are a lot of people who want to go abroad and we as Isaac take all the safety measures into consideration because that's obviously our priority. But yeah, we don't really have online options. The projects always take place in person. I can understand how volunteering, for example, might be more important now than ever. Do you think that the volunteering work is basically an impact that has only on the person itself or on the entire community where people volunteer? Uh, I think, and this is also our goal, that besides the personal development aspect of it, we work with the sustainable development goals and their aim is to contribute to a local community. For example, the goal about zero hunger, a person might go abroad to provide food and talk to children who are going through this poverty and hunger by impacting to the community. So it's definitely not just the personal part of it. Uh, There is definitely, yeah, we definitely aim to contribute to development of a local community with our projects. That sounds really wonderful. One more question. Are there any criteria either to the internship or the volunteer work? Like, do you have to be a certain age or do you have to speak a certain language? Our criteria is, since we're a youth organization, the participants have to be under the age of 30 and there, there are no language or any requirements. It's just the participants have to be under 30 above 18 and as long as they want to go abroad and meet this criteria they can apply okay well do you have any other last things that you would like to say about isaac yeah i can maybe say some final words so if you are interested in volunteering abroad or doing an internship with isaac feel free to sign up on isaac.nl. Once you sign up, we will contact you for a virtual coffee chat and 
this coffee chat, you'll get to know our projects more detailed and you can choose to apply whenever you want after this coffee chat. So I really recommend you to take a look at our website and feel free to sign up if you're interested. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show. So today I'm talking to Hannah. She did an ISAG volunteering experience back in 2019 in Indonesia. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her experience back then, what she did and what she learned from it. Well, hello, Hannah. Thanks for coming. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we get into the questions, can you tell us maybe a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how old you are, what you're doing right now? Sure. My name is Hannah. I'm 22 years old. Uh, right now, I'm doing my master's uh, degree in international relations at Leiden. I did my bachelor's in international studies also at Leiden University, and I did my regional specialization in South and Southeast Asia, and now I'm living in The Hague. Okay, so now that we know a little bit about you, let's get the timeline straight. You studied IS for three years, and you went abroad with ISAC for six weeks between second and third year. And you went to Indonesia, which ties perfectly into your South, Southeast Asia area specialization. So now that we have this out of the way, I want to ask you, um, what was your volunteering about? What is it that you did in Indonesia? I volunteered with a project called iGreen. Uh, they're an environmental project. So basically what they wanted to do and which they're still doing because they've been running for quite a few years already is to raise uh, awareness and conscientiousness about the environment in Bandung. It's a city on, in Java and in Indonesia. And when I was there, uh, we did things like uh, we gave presentations at some middle schools uh, talking about um, why it's important to recycle, what are the effects of uh, plastic pollution, stuff like that. Uh, we also worked in an area called Rachen Kendal, uh, which is in Bandung. The people who live there were interested in learning more about um, things like recycling and composting. Uh, so we also gave some workshops on how to make a compost bucket and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it was mostly about like educating and raising awareness, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So you went into like different schools. It wasn't like you went to work on the same place every day. Uh, for the most part, we were in Rancho Kendal. So um, that area I mentioned earlier. Towards the end, we did go to some of those middle schools that I mentioned before. And there were times that we did leave Raja Kendal, like once we did a river cleanup, so we went around collecting uh, trash. And we also went to this, I don't know what to call it exactly. It's sort of like a parade called a car-free day. So in Bandung, uh, I don't know when exactly they do it, but it's always on a Sunday. Um, they have like an event where they encourage people not to use cars or motorcycles. So everybody's walking everywhere. And then they have like a bunch of activities happening on that street. So we went there and we sold some eco-friendly products and we talked to people about the environment. So we also did things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what would a typical day would have looked like for you back then? Um, let me think. So I lived quite far away from the project area. So I usually woke up pretty early at around like seven or eight. And then I would leave not long after. Uh, we had a meeting point at a cafe, so I would usually wait there for other people to arrive. Like since I live so far away and I left so early, I usually arrived there um, before most of my other um, teammates came. And then once we got there, we'd usually talk about what we were going to do for that day and like other future events that we were considering and like maybe um, plan something out or eat together. And then um, we would go somewhere else. 
or on other days we would go straight to Rancho Kandal and we would meet there and then work for the day. Mm -hmm. So um, as you were working, you were working alongside fellow ISACers, if I'm not mistaken, but also locals. Um, So yeah, how did that look like? Yeah, there were about 13 or 14 of us. About seven people were um, local students from Indonesia uh, who were involved in organizing the project. And then about six or seven of us um, were from abroad. Um, But not all of the seven Indonesian volunteers were there all the time. So we had like, I would say, four or five who were there every day. And then the others would come uh, when their schedule would allow it. But they were very involved in the organizational part already. Yes, but that's really good to see that there was like such a cooperation almost between like locals, you know, and people from abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like your fellow ISACers, were they like from all over the world? Were they mainly from Europe? Uh, so from the ones who were from abroad, there were two people from Spain, two people from Cambodia. There was a girl from Vietnam, a guy from Sri Lanka, uh, and then there was me. And I'm from kind of all over the place. I'm half French, half Indonesian, but I grew up in the US and South Africa. Yeah, and since you're half Indonesian yourself, um, did you spend any time in Indonesia prior to going there with Isaac? Yes, actually before I started international studies, I lived in Indonesia for about half a year to study Bahasa Indonesia because I wasn't raised speaking it um, as a native language, but I always wanted to learn it uh, since half of my family is Indonesian. So by the time I came to um, iGreen for iSEC, I already spoke Indonesian, had lived there before, just in a different city. So it must have been a huge advantage back then, right, to be able to talk the local language. Yeah, it helped a lot, not just for the project, but also for me in general, like getting around. Also, interacting with my host family was much easier for me because uh, my host sisters spoke uh, pretty good English and my host parents understood English but weren't really comfortable speaking it. So it helped a lot that I could speak Indonesian with them. Okay, okay, I see. Yeah, your host family. How did you guys um, connect it? Like Isaac suggests a few families, like were you assigned one family? How did that process look like? Yeah, they assigned me a family since I applied pretty late. Uh, That's why I ended up living so far away from everybody else. But I really liked my host family. We got along pretty well. There were two parents with five children. And then two of their oldest kids were pretty close in age to me. Um, They were both girls. So we got along pretty well already. And yeah. Yeah, you already told us earlier how your typical day would have looked like, right? And from what it sounds like, it sounds like it was very like, project focus so you guys would work on a project to project basis so yeah i'm wondering what you guys did outside of the projects you did for volunteering like what did you guys do in your free time um you and your fellow icicles as well as like your host family maybe how did your free time look like so since like i mentioned before i live pretty far away i usually had to leave earlier than the other people on the project which was a shame but it also meant that i spent a lot of time with my host family which was nice as well Uh, But when we were all together, like the project, I mean, uh, and we weren't working, we did things like uh, we went to karaoke together a couple of times, which was really fun. We would eat dinner together quite often. Uh, Sometimes I would have to leave before dinner uh, since I live pretty far. And uh, in Indonesia, the sun sets at like 6 p.m. exactly. So after that, it's pitch black. So after 6 p.m., I always find it kind of difficult to find transport back to my host family. So I always had to leave kind of early. But yeah, we ate together. We would do things like karaoke. And once or twice I did go sightseeing with the other volunteers because before that project, I'd never been to Bandung before. And there was a week where we had a vacation 
Um, so I went to see my Indonesian family during that vacation, but I know the other volunteers traveled together to a different city. Okay. Yes. And also I'm wondering, since you were working um, to provide and promote sustainable solutions, if you maybe even picked up something yourself that you didn't know prior to um, working with iGreen or like, yeah, how did that look like? Did you learn something personally that you still practice today? Yeah, um, pretty early on in the project, we were given a presentation about uh, different kinds of plastic, and I never knew it before. But if you look at the bottom of most like plastic bottles, for example, there's usually a number on it, and it indicates what type of plastic it is. And then you can find out how easy it is to recycle that plastic. I don't remember the numbers anymore, but I still look out for it. And there are some plastics that are better for like long-term use than others. So like more durable plastic bottles, for example, are made out of a different kind of plastic than like the ones that you might buy from a vending machine that you have to throw away right after. So that's still something that I look out for. Okay, I didn't know that either, that there's different types of plastic bottles. Yeah, but apart from like this um, takeaway, was there also maybe a more personal takeaway, like something in an experience or a lesson you learned back then during your time in Indonesia? Yeah, um, I, like I mentioned before, I used to live in Indonesia, and I didn't realize how important it was to have uh, this intercultural understanding, like understanding what Indonesian culture is like, until I worked in iGreen, because after living there, I think I have a lot of understanding for it. Obviously, my other teammates who hadn't been to Indonesia before were confused by a lot of the local customs, because they're very different, uh, especially from Europe. So Indonesia is a very religious society, and for my Spanish teammates in particular, it was very strange and uncomfortable when people would just ask them what their religion was right away when they didn't know each other very well yet. And um, in general, people in Indonesia, not just compared to Europe, but also to other countries in Southeast Asia, are quite conservative, especially in Bandung. So that was also a source of confusion, not just for people in our project, but for some people in other projects as well. So just being able to explain how some things that are acceptable and places like Europe are not acceptable in Indonesia and why that is um, helped avoid a lot of misunderstandings. Yeah, developing a cultural sensitivity, I guess. Going back to international studies, would you say that the two years you already had in like studying the areas of Southeast Asia, did it kind of help you prepare for the experience? Did you feel like you already might have had some of that cultural sensitivity and of that like background knowledge and understanding? Yeah, knowing more about Indonesia's history definitely made um, living there easier for me because the first time I lived in Indonesia I didn't know much about it so on a cultural level it like being able to understand the history and some things about um, like local practices of religion for example made it easier to adjust when I went there the second time um, and then also because a lot of the people in other projects including our own were from uh, South and Southeast Asia since it's pretty close to Indonesia just knowing something about their countries made like the interpersonal interactions a bit easier because then we could talk about how things are like in their country. For example, I talked to my Cambodian teammates a bit about Cambodian politics since I did research on Cambodia when I was doing international studies and just things like that. It made it easier to like break the ice, I guess, and get to get to know people better. Yeah, definitely. And I can see how it perfectly ties into this experience. So it, I definitely think it's a beneficial and valuable experience for our students. Obviously, we're doing this podcast as well to let international studies students know that this is an option. Um, also, 
quite a cheap option compared to other organizations that offer similar volunteering experiences, so it's still quite accessible. Um, but I was wondering how you personally found out about ISAC. So when I was in my second year, I actually, in the beginning, intended to do an internship for my discretionary space. So I took the organizational theory and behavior course in my second semester. Um, but about like a month or two into the semester, I decided that I would go on exchange instead uh, to France, because even though I am uh, part French, French is still my second language. So I really want an opportunity to practice my French. Um, so I started looking for shorter term things to do in the summer before I would leave for France. And my internship coordinator did share um, ISEC's page with us saying that if we wanted to find uh, either internship experience or just volunteering experience in the short term, uh, that ISEC would, could be helpful. So I checked out the website and I found some projects that looked interesting. So I, I emailed somebody from ISEC and then uh, we talked generally about like what my interests were, why or what kind of uh, projects I was looking to volunteer for. And then after that, she forwarded me some projects uh, that fit uh, the interests that I described to her. And then I ended up applying to the one in Indonesia and I got accepted. Mm -hmm. So you basically sit down with people from ISAC and talk about what you want to achieve and like what expectations you have, right? And then you kind of figure out like what project fits. Is that what it's like? Yeah. Yeah, basically, like after we had that meeting, uh, she sent me an email with some projects that fit the description I gave her of what I was interested in. And then from those, I just chose uh, which ones fit the time period uh, that I wanted to volunteer in the best. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that's really great. Because yeah, if you look at all the projects you can do, it's, it can be kind of overwhelming. So it's really good to know that they also help you, you know, to like sit down and look at the options that are best suited for you. Well, thank you for talking to me today and sharing your experience. And I really hope that your experience might inspire other IS students to also go abroad with ISAC. So my next guest today is called Bente. She went to Colombia at the end of February 2020. As we all know, um, Corona happened in March of 2020. So Bente was supposed to be in Colombia with ISAC for six weeks and then travel onwards to South America for a couple of months. But this whole thing got cut short because of COVID. Um, nonetheless, I think she has an interesting story to tell. So I still decided to talk to her today and I'm sure she can tell us definitely a very unique experience. So thank you, Bente, for talking to me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to be here. So before we get started with the questions, I just want to ask you who you are, like where you're from, um, and maybe what you're studying right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you, you already introduced me. My name is Bente. I'm, I'm Dutch. I grew up here uh, in the center of the Netherlands in a tiny city called Ede. Um, and then I went to The Hague to study international studies. Uh, specialized on the region Latin America and I graduated in 2019 after which I took a gap year to <laughs> to travel but yeah like you said it didn't really work out <laughs> as planned exactly um, but nonetheless I started a master a Dutch master in Utrecht and in Dutch it is called humanistique and uh, yeah to translate it I would say humanistics 
um, it's 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 a combination of philosophy and sociology, and it's yeah, it's sort of a study about uh, yeah the meaning of life, and um, yeah, I relate it to the school of life quite often, which is a um, a program that yeah gives lectures on yeah the school of life, literally uh, what it says. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a very interesting study program. And it might even give some people, you know, an idea of what to do afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And um, in international studies, you did uh, specialize on Latin America, right? Yes, um, yes. And then you did, you know, go to Colombia. So, yeah, I'm wondering what you did in Colombia. What was the project you were working on? Yeah, so... The, the project that I was supposed to work on for six weeks um, was on uh, env environmental awareness at a high school in Armenia, which is a city yeah, right in the center of Colombia. Yeah, and I was supposed to help out on like classes on, uh, on environmental awareness. And I also, yeah, I started the second bachelor uh, during international studies, which is called Future Planet Studies in Amsterdam. So that, that is also why I was um, yeah, connected to the theme, because I already studied about it. Future planet studies. I feel like you have a hand for like very niche. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's about um, yeah, climate change and the problems and um, solutions around that topic, just to summarize it very briefly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, then you were like prepared because you studied Latin America and then you also you know, studied future planet studies and now you have a background with climate change and now you're in Colombia to educate people on um, climate change, right? And environmental awareness. Yes, yes. And that's that's that was also my thoughts, like that was the perfect fit or something. On the other hand, when you say um, I'm there to educate people, it makes me feel like, oh, who am I to educate people on that? And that also like resonated with my um, skeptical view on Isaac at the beginning. I now I remember that I was I was really doubting whether I wanted to go to do something with Isaac or like to do this kind of project with Isaac, yes or no? Because on the one hand, it's just perfect. It's it like you they they get you a host family. They 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 find a program that like on a theme that you're interested on and yeah you can just pick whatever you want sort of it's sort of like a candy store like I want that that and that and then you can just go ahead and do it it feels like that and then it so sounded a bit too good to be true or something but then I I just really figured I can only find out yeah how it is if I go and do it so that was in the end my final decision like I, I'm just gonna do it and if if I find it like problematic or I don't know, wrong, then I know it and I, I'm not going to do it again. So, yeah. Yeah, so just go in and experience it and then you can always choose what you want to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also, I was really interested in how the topic of environmental awareness, how it is portrayed, how it is like alive in Colombia, because we have all these thoughts about it here, right? But how is it there? So I actually, I... I think um, my main motivation was to learn about that perspective and not really to go and educate because I didn't oh, really feel like okay. it was my place to, yeah. Yes. 
I love that. That's such an interesting um, yeah, viewpoint. Was it an NGO that educated school children or like how did that look like? I think it was been an NGO. It was quite a small company and yeah, I only saw a tiny bit of, the, of, of that company because I was yeah only there for yeah a week or something uh, in the project um, and there were some communication problems at the start of my project so I started a bit later than planned um, yeah it was a, it was a small NGO and it was a, a Colombian organization Yeah, also because you were only working in the school for a week. Do you still have insights of how that first week was like for you? Was there something you might have learned? Did the reality, you know, match your expectations? So I signed up for the project on environmental awareness. And then I came there and I, I, I could speak a little Spanish, but I was there to learn Spanish. And then I, I figured out that I actually had to give classes in, in Spanish, of course. Um, but on the topic of environmental awareness. So then I got very stressed out because I, I didn't know if I could do that and how that would work out. And the girl that I was doing the project with, she couldn't speak English as well. So there were also some communicating uh, issues uh, between us. Yeah, I got very stressed out. And then my, my host mom and my host aunt, They noticed that and then they were so helpful and warm and they started communicating with, with the girl. And then like it became clear that I, I didn't have to do it by myself. She was there to help me and like that turned, turned out fine in the end. But because of the language barrier, I guess, communication is, uh, becomes a thing or can become a thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I was only there for, for one full day in the end. And then... I was I was there for, so I was there for one class uh, that we gave and actually she gave it in Spanish and I was sitting there and trying to understand like what 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 everyone was saying mm -hmm. and then I thought maybe it's it would be more helpful for me to help out in an English class for example uh, because yeah. I felt so useless sitting there and not being able to <laughs> to help Yeah. Um, but I, ha I had already met the headmaster, yeah, the principal of the school, um, mm -hmm. and an English teacher as well. Um, also, because of communication, the English teacher mm -hmm. was there when I first came to the school so that we could communicate. And then I thought, uh, maybe I could just ask him if I can also help out in his classes because I'm here now and what else am I going to do, right? So mm -hmm. after the environmental awareness class, I, w I walked up to him and then he said, uh, I don't have classes today, but my colleague does. I can ask her. So I went up to her and she said, yeah, sure, um, you can join. So after the environment, environmental awareness class, I helped out in two English classes. And then there was like just a full class of Colombian kids in uniforms looking at me like, whoa, who is she? What is she doing here? And they had to ask question ask me questions in English and the English teacher told me do not let them know that you speak Spanish because they will take advantage of it right so I was just oh. like oh I know I'm sorry I don't understand a thing that you're saying uh, when they <laughs> when they when they spoke Spanish to me and um, that was a lot of fun but that was actually the only day because the weekend afterwards all the schools had closed because of corona of, of COVID so um, yeah <laughs> That was yeah. Unfortunately, we do have to talk about COVID a little as well, because 
yes. it was kind of <laughs> something that really like had an impact on your experience to put it lightly yes. so yes. um how did you first find out about what was going on and what was your initial reaction i think it was after two weeks being in colombia and trying to settle down but I wasn't really uh, settled down yet, I think. And then I heard about COVID in the Netherlands for my parents. And I just, yeah, what did I think? I thought like, okay, good luck dealing with that problem over there <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah, I did not think that it would come to, to Latin America that quickly at first. And I thought, yeah, but I'm here for six months, so, you know. I can just wait it out somewhere on a nice beach and then uh, return to my travels. I think those were my initial thoughts, yeah. Mm -hmm. Understandable. And then I, I'm guessing everything, you know, progressively became worse and worse because back in March, there was this crazy time period yeah. where everything just changed on a daily basis. Yes. So, yeah, how did that look like? And when did you decide that you actually want to go back home I was talking to my parents a lot and they were just telling me like yeah if you want to stay you can stay and if you want to go you can go <laughs> and then I was yeah I it was a very very tough decision to make um but in the end the embassy the Dutch embassy and Isaac uh, really recommended going home and then the embassy at a certain point I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday and then they said you have to um If you want to go home, you have to do it before Sunday because the borders are going to close. And that was a moment, yeah, that I thought, okay, let's get out of here as soon as possible. Like, <laughs> and then my parents were on it, trying to uh, get a flight for me, crazy expensive flight. And then I, uh, I think I flew on Saturday, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it must have been so hard because you left the Netherlands thinking you wouldn't see your friends and family for like half a year. And then you end up going back home just after three and a half weeks, basically. Yes. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. <laughs> I still do want to ask you a question that I asked Hannah as well, the other girl I interviewed that went abroad with Isaac. And that is your biggest takeaway, if you will. I know that probably because your experience was cut short. It's not going to be, you know, about Isaac specifically, but I'm thinking you might still have some insights you want to share. Definitely, because... I think my life very different now than than I had um, yeah than I had planned beforehand. So probably that is the takeaway that you can plan all you want, but that you just have to deal with uh, however everything turns out. And in the end, I found this master program. I was planning on doing another master, but because of COVID, I found this master program. So, and I absolutely love it. And the same goes for the house that I'm living in now in Amsterdam. Yeah, I also wouldn't have found this house probably if it wasn't for COVID. So, um, yeah, that's the other side of the story. And I I would go to Colombia another time. I'm sure of that. And it doesn't have to be now. So I'm pretty okay with, with how it all turned out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank you for taking time out of your day and um, talking to me and sharing your experience. Yeah, no problem. It uh, was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode and thank you to Isaac for reaching out to us and coming up with the idea for a collaboration. 
If you want to find out more about ISAC, you can go to visit their website at isac.org. That's A-I-E-S-E-C dot org. Next week, Paul is going to interview Atsa Fokkens, career advisor and internship coordinator, talking about his position, how he helps students, and in a broader perspective about students who do internships. This next episode will mark the beginning of our spin-off series, Career Essentials. We will talk about everything students need to know to help them prepare for their future career. Career Essentials will include informative sessions by established professionals, career coordinators, and more. Stay tuned for next Wednesday's episode, and we shall see you soon.